0: and fulfillment let's get started with soul talk
1: welcome back folks welcome to another very special episode of the soul talk podcast as you know i try and bring on uh, friends of mine and folks i respect from all industries and disciplines to talk about what it takes to live a more soulful life and i think uh to truly live a soulful life really requires that you live your purpose and i think if those of you that are listening in who feel a calling to live a purpose in life and share your gifts with the world, one of the things that inevitably likely you will have to do and need to face is building a business and scaling your business to reach more people, whether as a coach, as a teacher, as a healer, as a, you know, whatever industry you're in, you will have to build business and scale. And so today's episode is going to be a little different. And I, I think of typical episodes, but it's such an important topic, and I think you will receive so much value from my special guest today. I consider her a friend uh, first and foremost. She is an incredible human being. Uh, she's the CEO of Pinnacle Global Network. Check this: she is the world leader of in scaling businesses. So, if you have a business idea, if you're running a business, whatever level it is, you are. Today's your lucky day. She is the Wall Street Journal best-selling author of Scale or Fail, which is endorsed by everyone from Damon John and Barbara Kokorian of Shark Tank. She built, and she's not just a theorist, folks. She's actually built 10 successful companies starting at age 19. Can you believe that? And uh, her clients' list include Ben & Jerry's, Supercuts, Merrill Lynch, Allstate, a few small companies she's been on. Fortune, fast, com, featured in Fortune, fast company, Forbes, uh, a regular contributor to Entrepreneur magazine, featured expo on ABC, CBS, I mean NBC. I mean, folks, the list goes on. You get the gist. She is amazing. Welcome to the conversation on Soul Talk, Alison Maslan. Alison, so great to have you. Yes, here.
2: I'm so
3: excited. We made it to be happen. Here.
1: Thank you. We made it happen. We did. I'm so glad. I'm so, we did. glad. I'm, I'm so glad. I'm so glad to honored. share you with everyone. Yeah, I'm so glad to share, share you with everyone. I think you're just brilliant, and every time we get to connect, you're just just full of kindness and generosity, and uh, I, I can't wait for everyone just to, to sort of receive from your wisdom. And so, just to kind of set the context before we dive into some, you know, deep dive questions on scaling and business and making an impact on the world, I'm curious, like, how how did you get started in this whole sort of scaling businesses? I'm I'm seeing that you started, I didn't even know this about you. You know, you're so, to me, so humble. You just, you started 10 bus 10 companies uh, starting at age 19, which is unbelievable. So how did that happen? I mean, were you always entrepreneurially driven? I mean, like, what was your, what was your path to entrepreneurship? Because that's not, I would say it's not typical at uh, uh, 19, 18, 19 to, to, to start your first business. I mean, that's kind of different. So I'm curious about your path to, in terms of entrepreneurship and business building. Tell me a bit about that.
2: Yeah, well, I uh, grew up in a very entrepreneurial family. My father oh. built um, a large chain of women's clothing stores in the in the United mm-hmm. States. And started with my grandfather uh, a store in Kansas City called Maslin mm. Ready to Wear and um, the second store they won in a poker game in Tulsa, Oklahoma and that was where I was born and so mm. I was, you know, I just remember as a child just going with my dad from store to store and watching him mm. in action and his passion, you know, it wasn't so much what he told me as far as business strategy, it was more that, uh, you know, I watched how innovative he was, um, that he was willing to take risks and it was just who he was as a person. And, you know, as, as the, the years followed, I realized I was unemployable, (laughs) (laughs) uh, it was, I just couldn't hold a job, you know, I would either get bored, or I just, um, you know, if I wasn't excited about it, it's just, you know, it felt like, you know, I just dreaded it. And so Mm -hmm. when I was in college, um, I went to Arizona State, Uh, I started, I was a poet, I loved writing poetry. And so people started Mm -hmm. asking me, you know, would you write one for my a boyfriend or my son, you know, and so I started this kind of poetry business and uh, I thought I, I like, like literally, dad,
1: literally writing poems, literally writing poems.
2: Yeah, literally writing poems and then wow. doing calligraphy, calligraphy. So I made it nice, you know, like a gift mm. and uh, I, I would get to know them and, you know, so it would be very personalized. And I thought, wow, this is it. Like, I found my calling. I'm going to be a poet. (laughs) And I I remember sharing this with my dad. And he's like, oh, Allie, that's so awesome. But, you know, did you know poets don't really become known until they're dead? You know? And um, so I was like, God, you know, you're such a buzzkill. And, uh, you know, I, I was super, super stubborn. And so I, I really mm. thought, okay, I'm going to make this poetry thing go and and realize pretty quickly that $25 a poem was not going to pay my rent. Not going to scale. And yep. Yeah, there, there wasn't much scale there. So um, I just, people started asking, you know, do you do brochures? Do you do radio? Do you do television? All of these things I had never done. They were not in my universe at mm. all. Um, but I would hear my uh dad's voice in my ear that said, Allie, if someone asks you to do something and you feel like it's worthwhile, even if you don't know how to do it, just say yes and then figure out how to do it. And Love so that. that that really is how I learned early on. Uh and I you know, I put myself into some kind of crazy situations with deadlines and I had no idea how to do it. Um, But I wasn't afraid Mm. to ask for help. And that really was the key for me early on was just hanging out at the TV station, you know, going to the printers and saying, show me how your business works. And I really just learned along the way. And that's, that's how I, how I got started.
1: So you really had like no idea. Like, it's not like you had experience of this before It just, it evolved from the poetry to advertising and you literally just yeah. figured it out along the way. I mean, so, so like, were you afraid? Was there fear? Cause I think a lot of times people are afraid of the unknown. And so they don't uh, say yes to the opportunities that they're given because the mind says, well, I haven't done that before. I don't know. I'm freaked out. And we allow our fear to hijack us. So what, so, what, I, what allowed you to, 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 to move through into the unknown? How did you, de- did, you fe- did you feel fear and how did you deal with the fear?
2: I felt a lot of fear. You know, I think, um, you know, I definitely have this internal drive. And so I wanted mm-hmm. to be up for the challenge. And then after I would say yes, I remember walking out of some of, you know, their client's offices mm-hmm. going, oh, my God, you know, what did I just commit to? Um, and I remember I committed to doing a a brochure with this full on photo shoot for Charlotte Ruth. I had no, I had never hired models. I didn't know how to do any of that. I didn't even know a photographer. So I called my brother and I said, Hey, do you take pictures? (laughs) I literally (laughs) had no idea. Um, and so, you know, I, I would say I was, I was really scared, but instead of, uh, instead of allowing the fear to, um, you know, just suffocate me, I would mm-hmm. use the fear as uh, momentum to figure okay. out an answer, you know, mm-hmm. and that was, it was almost like I would use the fear, and I actually never thought about it this way, uh, to, uh, to keep me moving, to figure out a solution to re- relieve the fear. If that
1: makes sense. I love it. Yeah, I love it. So you use the fear as momentum to figure out an answer, rather than let's say collapse or you know stop, which I think is a is a is a really key distinction there. Um, that's mm-hmm. great. That's great. So in terms of let's say let's say someone is in a place right now, Alison, and there, let's back up. They, they they don't they don't even they know they want to do something. Um, they feel some itch to help people, some itch to make a difference. They feel some drive, uh, but let's say they don't even have a business. They're like, I, I, Alison, I don't even know where to start. I don't know what direction. I have 50,000 ideas, but I don't know – I don't even know where to begin. How How? how what, what advice would you have to someone who's maybe in that place – um, they have nothing to even scale, and so they're deciding or trying to decipher and discern which business to enter, what business would be good for them, where is their opportunity, and make a decision to to kind of focus their energies. We'll guide someone from that place, and then let's let's go beyond that first. After that,
3: yeah, I
2: think in in the initial you know decision process. Mm-hmm. you know if you if I compare to where I was um, I had no idea that I was going to create an ad agency you know which developed mm-hmm. from the poem, which was just a passion of mine so i I would say first, what do you love doing? You know what really mm-hmm. excites you, and uh when you do that thing, is it something that really lights you up? You know, that people say, wow, when you do that, you shine. You know, what is something that you do the hours could go by and you don't even realize that so much time has passed? And I think that's the first place to start. And, you know, I, I think that uh, the challenge that people have when they start is that they have so many ideas. And there becomes yes. a point that you, ha- you have to pick a path. But remember, mm-hmm. I mean, I've had 10 different businesses. You don't have to, mm-hmm. I, I think this idea of, oh, that's what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. So there's so much pressure and so much fear yeah. that they're going to choose the wrong thing. You know what I mean?
3: Mm-hmm. And so I
2: think just instead of putting this pressure on what's my purpose and you know what's my uh, the business that I'm going to do? Just start with the one thing that you love doing, and start moving towards that, and see how see what how, is it something that people are interested in? Is there a demand? Mm-hmm. You know because if you love mm-hmm. it and then nobody wants it, you're going to have to tweak it a while until <clears throat> there is some demand for it. You know that people will pay for it. That's kind of important um so i i think that's really the first place to start because if you're just doing it for the money and i'm sure yeah. you know this you're, you're yes. not going to sustain it, it's not going mm-hmm. on the tough days mm-hmm. uh you're not going to be willing to face that fear
1: you
3: have to love it. But, you know, there's folks that I, I often
1: hear, and I'd, I'd love to hear you input on this, uh, on behalf of those folks, too, is, is, you know, I can't, how am I going to make money from what I love? You know, how am I going to make money from knitting? Or how am I going to make money from this thing that, like, it's not realistic. Like, your thing was poetry. Obviously, it led to something else. But, mm-hmm. it, how about that? Like if someone has, let's say they have a, a love that's really obscure, like it's not a a logical thing or, or something that seems obvious, you know, I, I love knitting, I love croquet, I love, I, I'm passionate about this cactuses, you know, that, that it doesn't seem yeah. like, oh, everyone wants that. And so mm-hmm. what can you say to that person? Because I, I often hear people yeah. say, there's no way I can make money doing what I love. It's like, I can't do it.
2: Well, you know, first of all, yeah, a couple of things. Uh, You totally could make a business out of knitting and cactuses. You know, (laughs) my guess is you're not the only person that loves knitting. And honestly, the more niche the market, the better. We don't have to have everybody as our customer. We just need Mm -hmm. to have, you know, uh, like you don't have to uh, own or, or, uh, overcome all of, uh, Mount Everest, but you could just have one slice of that, you know, one, Mm -hmm. one path of that mountain Mm -hmm. and, uh, be very specific with that. So let's say you love knitting and, you know, you are selling afghans or the, you know, you're selling baby clothes, things like that out of knitting the The challenge becomes is that when you're knitting all day long and you know, you get these big orders mm. and how do you fulfill those orders? And that's when it's yes. time to scale. That's when you hire other knitters and it becomes a knitting team. And I actually knew a woman that uh, mm. ended up having a huge knitting business uh, and was developing their own knitting threads, you know? So, you can find different revenue streams, on, you know, from a sure. business. I mean, you know, I, I think there's there's always a way. And I think the biggest thing to overcome is the mindset, that idea of it's mm-hmm. never going to happen, it's impossible. Um, because I'm sure you've experienced this where people say you're crazy and you can never have a business out of that. I, I got that yep. so many times. You know, and if I would have listened, we would not be having this conversation today.
3: Mm, mm. So, what
1: are the what have you seen in terms of, uh, let's say, someone they, they identify? Okay, Alison, this is this is this is my love. I want to create a business out of this. Before we even get to like scaling it, which we'll get into in a moment, like this is what I, I, I love to see. And what are the the, the most, uh, at least that you've seen from you know building ten successful companies? Uh, What are the most uh, important elements for uh, developing a a business uh, and having a business thrive and build a foundation? Before we get to scaling, it? just what are the most important elements for for a successful business?
2: Right. Well, number one, that you're excited about it. You're passionate about it. You believe in it. And if you're going to be selling to other people, can you – internally feel really good about that. Like for instance mm. I couldn't sell mm. something that I don't believe in. And you know I mean I've had businesses around my passions. I've had a scuba diving certification company because I love scuba diving. I have a jewelry wow. manufacturing yeah. company because I love jewelry. You know it has to be something you believe in <laughs> and I've never considered myself selling because I'm so convicted uh, around Got it. You that I believe in. So that's that's number 1. And number 2, mm-hmm. um I would uh reach out to as many people as you can and say, you know, is this something you would be interested in buying? Or do you know mm-hmm. other people that might be interested in buying this? You know, and you really need to pull many people uh to get not just, you know, your cousins, <laughs> Uh, or your your, your mother yeah or you know people that are going to be maybe a little negative I think you need to get a bit Mm -hmm. of a a broad audience to see if there's a demand and you know that you're going to be able to make a decent profit from it so uh, you know what you're going to be able to charge based on you know uh, and, and also what your cost is to produce it and uh, and really, if you have that, if you have something you love, you could see that it would be a demand. And I can give you several examples of this as well, of startup, mm-hmm. and that you can make a profit. Like you've really penciled out those numbers, um, then uh, then you've got you know then you've got something.
1: Hey, give, give 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 an example. You said you have an example. I'd love to hear an example, just so that those listening in can maybe kind of visualize it as an example. That'd be
2: great. Yeah. So, um, you know, I lead some big events and uh, so mm. we mentor business owners all over. And um, I know you're going to be coming to my event. I'm very excited
3: uh, yes, coming up yes. here.
2: Um, but I'm going to share a brand that many people know and it's Dry Bar. So that's the blow yeah. dries that women, women go and get their hair done. So one of Mm. the keynotes that I had at a recent event was Allie Webb, and she is the founder of Dry Bar. And how it all started was she was just blow drying. She was going to different women's homes. They would pay her $25 to blow dry their hair, you know, really nice for let's say they were getting ready for an event or going out to dinner and so forth. And so she was getting so booked up. That she could barely fit people in, and she went to her brother and said, "Hey, I think we've got. I think we could turn this into a business. You know, there are beauty salons, but there's no salon that's mm. just blow dry only. And so, they went for it. They opened a location, and they had lines around the building. They had never had a company like this. They had one business before that failed." OK, hmm. uh, and um, now they have well over 100 locations. Wow. And so, yeah. And that, I mean, that's just one example of, you know, she probably got a lot of people saying, oh, that would never work. People are not going to just mm-hmm. pay for a blow dry. Right. And there's and but, there's nothing
1: else in the, in the store but blow dry. Like there's no cutting. There's no shit. It's just
3: blow dry. That's it.
2: That's it just blow dry. Now, you know, now they have, you can buy the blow dryer, they have their own product, but they're not, if they, they added haircuts or colors, it would make them like other salons. So,
3: you
2: you, you know, you can be in a similar industry or same industry, but you always want to be thinking, uh, what can we do that our competition is not doing?
1: Mm, That's a key question. What can we do that our competition is in?
3: Mm-hmm.
1: I love it. Got it.
3: And in terms of, let's say,
1: looking at, I'm sure you've seen this too, in terms of examples of like, or why, any key factors in terms of why businesses fail, I'm curious what you've observed from your own experience, observing clients, observing those that come to your events and seminars, like, is there a list of like key reasons that you've
3: you've observed, like, Give the core factors. Yeah, I
2: think the number one thing
3: mm-hmm.
2: is that people quit.
3: Hmm.
2: You know, I I think that there's always a way. You know, for, for instance, in uh, in Ali Webb's first business uh, that failed, there may there could have been a way to go back to the drawing board and have a better offering you know um mm-hmm. so so i think there's there comes a point where um it gets tough i mean for me yes. with all these businesses there there's never been a business that i've had that wasn't a roller coaster in some way because wow. you know you are creating your own structure and mm-hmm. you're always testing you know you don't really something could sound like ooh this is going to be amazing and then you do it and it's not <laughs> um but the the best business breakthroughs the most profitable the most successful um the most rewarding have been when i've hit a wall and said okay this isn't working what can we do to make it better. What can we learn from this? Um, and but I think that's a crux point that a lot of people just quit.
1: Got it. So sometimes people quit right in that in that moment, or just before the breakthrough moment.
2: Yes, like two feet from gold, mm-hmm. as they say.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Are there any other factors in terms of why you observe businesses
1: fail? I mean, that that that's a yes. interesting one. Just people quit, but I'm curious if there's anything else.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, one is, you know, if I see a business owner that is running around and they're working so hard, but they're not making money, uh, a lot of times mm-hmm. they're not charging enough.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: They're not charging, um, their their worth, uh, they're not charging based on the results that they're getting for their customers. Um, they mm-hmm. might be afraid to raise their prices that they're going to lose clients. Um, you know, we always encourage uh people to come in at the higher end of their marketplace. Um, you mm. know, for example, I've had a client that had a avocado oil manufacturing company and they mm. uh had their own avocado trees and they imported this avocado press from Italy. It's like wow. the best avocado oil in Southern California and they were charging based on what everybody else was charging. And I said, no, you are a premium product. You know, they mm-hmm. were afraid they were going to lose the, their demand if they raise their prices. But what happened is they actually created more of a demand. Their business grew mm-hmm. when they raised their prices because people really recognized them as a premium product. But I see that a lot. You know, people are worn out, and I said, "Well, my God, no wonder you're worn out. You're not making any money. You can't mm-hmm. sustain." And that that's a, a big thing. And if you have issues around money, you know, which most people do, and how you're raised, you know, a lot of our parents or grandparents were in the Great Depression, so there's a lot of you know old beliefs about you know money is evil or you know, um, you know that there's some negative sort of energy around money, and it really holds them back. Because honestly, mm-hmm. the more that you're selling, the more people you're helping.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: How can someone, let's say they have a, a, a negative belief around money? Because I think a lot of f- folks do. Money is, you know, the root of all evil, evil. It's not spiritual. It's especially those maybe you know who who are in the more spiritual scene. Uh, how can they begin shifting their belief in relationship with money to a much more open, expansive, abundant, positive uh, relationship? What can they? What can they do?
2: Yeah. Well, I think the first thing is to recognize it. You yes. know that this, this is your old story. You know these are these old tapes that, and I know i'm sure you do this kind of work with people uh and i think you've got to you know work on your own mindset like every day all the time and uh you know i think that uh you've got to number 1 have the awareness that it's not really what's happening right now this is your old uh tapes from experiences things you heard your parents say so recognize What are those old beliefs? What is the old story? And so that when you find yourself saying those things, that you can recognize this is your unconscious mind. This isn't the reality of today. And you're allowing your unconscious mind to drive your decisions and behaviors. Um, And, you know, the other thing is, and I was in the healing world for 20 years. I was a homeopathic. Physician for 20 years, mm-hmm. and also um, built a homeopathic college. So I helped a lot of healers start businesses, and so I know that uh, that tape is, oh, I'm helping yeah. them. I can't ask for money, mm. and uh, what what happens there is that you know energetically you're putting out all this energy. And money is energy. It's just, it's currency, like an electric current has to flow out and has to flow in. And if you're not receiving at that same level, then there will become a point where it's going to dry up and you will have nothing Mm. left to give and you will burn out and you won't be able to help anybody. Um, And that happens all the time. You see that in the sort of healing profession. So, um, and when, when, your clients invest in their own healing they Mm -hmm. take it way more serious they show up they take you know they do what you ask them to do and they heal and their chances of getting well go up dramatically
3: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i love that i
1: love that i want to back up a moment and go back to what you said about people quitting um How how does someone know when it's time to quit and when it's time to actually persevere and continue? Because I I think that can be also a a delicate moment of consideration. When is it actually time to, okay, time to quit, move on to something else because this is not working, versus no, 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 this is not a time to quit, this is a time to persevere. Is Is there any discernment there you can bring?
2: You know, I think it depends on your level of resilience. I mean, there was a point with Jeff Bezos that he owed a billion dollars, okay, with wow. Amazon. So, you know, would I be able to handle owing a billion dollars? You know, I don't know. I don't know. You know, and I'm, I'm pretty darn resilient. You know, he was jumping up and down and getting his team excited knowing he owed a billion dollars. So, you know, I, I think it's, it becomes a personal decision about how, you know, how long you're willing to stay in that really uncomfortable place. Um, Now I've Mm -hmm. been in that uncomfortable place many times over the years and there's always been a breakthrough. Uh, It always Mm -hmm. forces me to go, okay, this just isn't working. How do we stay the course, but add a different revenue stream or find a different way to present what we're doing to our audience um, or hire that next right person. Um, but I, mm-hmm. I think if you're just not loving it anymore, if if it's just like you have, you know, you just dread uh, the work and you've, you know, been giving and giving, you know, I think you've really got to ask yourself the tough question, can I just look at this as a big you know, lesson in my life, and take from mm. what I learned and uh, know what to do and what not to do. In the next life, um, I had that experience early on with my first business. Um, would you like me to share that? Because that was yeah, I would love for you to was, share that. It was yeah, it was a it was a major wake up call for me. Um, so I had built that. Ad agency and uh what we were by saying yes, you know to all of these things I had no idea I was doing and i was I started making a lot of money i got
3: mm-hmm. i was
2: in demand, I was flying all over the place and mm-hmm. um which was great, but I did not know how to delegate. I was a control freak I felt like I had to do everything um mm-hmm. I didn't really know how to build systems. I didn't know how mm. to put that foundation for to handle the growth, and mm. uh I was miserable. so you talk about you know that's kind of where I was. I thought I'm not feeling connected to this business I'm not feeling um, I'm not feeling connected to my client. Uh, I felt like I was as good as my last campaign, and mm. uh, I was really miserable, but I felt trapped. Because I was making money, but I was so unhappy. And I was too, I had a lot of fear to walk away from it. I was, um, you know, I had a daughter, or I still have a daughter, but she was young then. And so what happened was I ended up uh, having a horrible car accident uh, one day uh, from no, you know, no sleep because I was up all night creating these campaigns late to pick up my daughter from daycare, and just, you know, not in my right mind. And uh, it was a pretty horrible accident. I actually um, uh, tried to stop my own moving car and ran over myself with my car, which um, I actually write about in my book, if you want to get the details on it. But um, I was lucky to... I was lucky to survive because literally a 4,000-pound car ran over me, my own car.
3: Oh, my God. And uh,
2: if that isn't a wake-up call from the universe. That is
1: a huge wake-up call, yeah.
2: Yeah. You know, I I was like, when I realized that I could still walk after that, I said, okay, I'm done. I'm not going to live like this. Mm. You know, I love business, but I love my life more, and I'm not happy Mm. And if I'm going to do this do? moving forward, um, I walked away from the business. Or I, actually, I sold it for $6,000. I basically gave it to my partner at the time. I walked away from a difficult marriage. This all happened at the same time and set out into the world as a single mom, um, no money, and no idea what I was going to do. And I, I mm-hmm. took a year off to just figure out my life. And uh, and really examine what worked, what was I doing right? Because there was a lot that I was doing right, um, and mm-hmm. what was I doing wrong? You know, and I really began to study uh, companies mm-hmm. that I had worked with, like Ben and Jerry's, like Charlotte Ruth, like how were they scaling? Mm-hmm. And so I, during that time, I built a uh, a roadmap for growth and a roadmap for scaling. And then from then have built nine more companies that I've had a blast with. Um, So, you know, I'm grateful for that crash and burn. I'm obviously grateful that I survived it, but that was painful enough for me to see, wait, this is not, uh, this is half of the equation, but not all of the equation. And I also mm. got a mentor. I got a mentor, mm. and from then on, and I still do today. You know, the power mm. of having that advisor, you know, by your side is invaluable, priceless.
1: Mm. And I'm, I'm also hearing you like you, know, you had the courage because I think a lot of people we get the the run, run over by a car experience or shit hits the fan, something happens, and we don't listen, we ignore. Because maybe on one level we're making money or what we're doing in life seems to be working on one level or we're so afraid of the unknown. And so one thing I'm hearing is you really listen to the sign and you were courageous enough to, to, to walk away, which take, takes a lot. I mean, I think a lot of times we allow fear to stop us. So I think that, that's, that's key as well is, is you listen to the sign. Um, and that allowed the, the sort of new expression of your business and yourself and your career to happen. Uh, You said you came up with a roadmap in that time. Now I'm really curious, like the roadmap for scaling, break that down. What's, what is, let's say someone now wants to scale their business. What, what is, please share the roadmap. What is the, the, what are the keys to scaling that you learned that you came up with during that time?
2: Well, I mean, first of all, I think sometimes people hear, hear the word scaling. And they think, well, that's for a business that's much further along. And I think if you understand the components of scaling from the beginning, you're going to set up your business Mm. in a different way. So you'll save Mm. years off of the growth of your business in just thinking ahead this way. So um, the components for scaling, there's an an acronym for scale, strategic vision. First of all, you want to have a clear vision of where you're going. Now, it's going to change along the way, you know, as as different doors open and you are testing things. But you want to have a vision. You don't want to just say, oh, I'm going to be knitting and I'm going to sell this knitting. You really want to be thinking, okay, where do I want to be a year from now? Where do I want to be three years from now? Mm -hmm. And um, then the C in scale is cash flow. Um, it's got to be a profitable business, uh, otherwise you won't sustain. You've got to be able to keep the lights on. You've got to be able to pay employees if you're going to be hiring. And um, you just want to, you know, your your cash is your life force of your company. So you create mm-hmm. cash through sales, um, through marketing, and there's a lot of, um support that you want to get as far as, you know, a bookkeeper, an accountant, and someone that's gonna help you save on taxes and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um the the A is the alliance of the team. And as you scale, uh you cannot be uh the the five man or five women band doing everything. Mm-hmm. And statistics show that when you hire at least an assistant in the first six months of your business, you will get to seven figures in half the time.
3: So that's that's really
2: the lines of the team and, you know, over time building a team. So, for instance, in my company, um, we run a business coaching company and a mastermind. In the beginning, I did a lot of the coaching. Uh, but if it was just me, I would only be able to help so many people. There's only so many hours in the day. So now I have a team of ten uh CEOs that have run their own successful companies that we that work directly with our clients.
3: Mm-hmm. So I'm
2: able to help ten times the number of clients that I would be able to do if it was just me. Um and so learning to build a team. Um, And that's why your vision is so important
3: because your team
2: you really connected to your vision. And then L is leadership. Leadership is how do you make that shift from being a boss to being a leader?
3: Mm -hmm.
2: And, uh, you know, empowering your team, lifting others up, you know, instead Mm -hmm. of beating them down, which is that old model of being a boss. And then the last um, part of this uh, roadmap is execution. Is the Mm -hmm. execution? Mm -hmm. How do we best implement it? How do we manage our time? You know, what are the systems and processes in place so you're not recreating the wheel every day?
1: Mm. So, based on everything you said, I'm curious now. In terms of uh, a let's go back to the alliance of team uh, in terms of what you've experienced, you know, building 10 companies, obviously you can't do that by yourself. And so what are some of the key lessons that you've learned in terms of developing a team um, in terms of hiring a team? Like what, what what's the key to developing a powerful team? Because sometimes it's, 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 it's not always easy. And I think you shared something really important too, that was, was, you just touched touched on, but I see why it's so important is the the uh, strategic vision because if the strategic vision isn't clear, the team won't be clear about the strategic vision everyone's going to be sort of dispersed going in different directions, but if there's an aligned strategic vision, that will also definitely help the team but uh, what's the keys of developing a, a, a an inspired team what's the keys of in terms of that you've learned of, of hiring the right people? Uh,
2: share a bit about that. Yeah, I mean, first of all, I would say don't put too much pressure on yourself. You're Mm going to make some mistakes. I mean, I Mm -hmm. learned by hiring the wrong people um, what I don't want. It's kind of like um, when you're dating and Uh, when the relationship ends, you go, okay, I know what I don't want for sure. (laughs) Um, So I think uh, being easy on yourself I think that the thing especially early on is getting super clear on the role. Don't just place an ad. You know, get really clear. Like what type of person do you want? What personality is is important for this role? Um what uh exactly do you want them to do? What do you want their skill level to be? And so that then you can uh, create an ad around that, you know, post a, a job posting or, you know, asking around people um, that possibly know someone to refer for the position. And the, the other mm-hmm. reason is that it, it, it's like if you were to to place a dating, an ad on a dating site, for instance, mm-hmm. and let's say you really wanted to find your soulmate. But you didn't put that in the ad. You said, well, I'm just looking for someone to have fun with.
3: Go to and the movie schools, right? Have fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you
2: you got to ask for what you want. And, mm-hmm. you know, as a side note, this is how I met my husband. Mm. Um, because I was super clear on Match.com and said, I've really <laughs> my soulmate, you know? So... Um, you know, be be real clear on exactly what you want. And that also helps the, the team member that you hire because they know what their expectations are. I think a lot of the challenge okay. comes in when you hire someone and they don't know exactly what they're supposed to do. There's a lot of gray lines. And mm-hmm. um, so to so the clarity. And then the other thing I will say is hire slowly, fire fast.
3: Mm. What do you mean by hire slowly? Tell me a bit about that.
2: Hire slowly means uh, don't hire in desperation, which most people do. Mm. And you interview someone and hire them on the spot, and you've met them for, you know, 30 minutes or an hour. You're going to be living Mm. with this person, basically. So I always say do at least three interviews with them, and I would have somebody else uh, interview them as well because you know you have the rose colored glasses on of how you are mm-hmm. hoping this works out so take your time allow this person to work for the position allow mm-hmm. them to show up three times you know on time and uh you know what kinds of questions are they asking you know how mm-hmm. motivated are they for the position um and so you know, that's then you can be really clear and make a sound decision. I think when you're impulsive and desperate, you know, are asking for trouble. You know,
3: that's great. In terms of uh, great
1: great insights there, Alison, in terms of leadership, um, this is a, I think an important thing too. You talked about going from a boss to being a leader, and so tell me some of some of the key things you've learned about leadership. Because uh, it's it's a, it's it is an art form in and of itself. To what some of the keys to re- that you've learned to really inspiring and empowering your team
3: uh, over the last let's say a few decades. Tell me a bit about that. Yeah, what I think is the first thing like, is, yeah,
2: yeah. I, I think leadership is somebody that inspires others to step into their greatness Mm -hmm. instead of me telling you what to do being that dictator saying this is your goal this is what you need to accomplish it's more engaging your team to say you know this is the vision of the company You are such an important part of this vision. We could not do it without you. And knowing that, how do you feel you can best contribute? And that's a whole different type of positioning. And a leader helps to create other leaders. And that's how you free yourself as well yeah you're not just surrounded by implementers, you're surrounded by thinkers but it's it's I had to learn it. I was terrible at this stuff. I will tell you i wow. I learned the hard way, you know this was something that you know i was I had it all in my head, you know it was very cool. driven, and I would come into the office and I'd just get to work you know mm-hmm. I really wasn't engaging the team I would put it all on my shoulders Mm -hmm. and then get frustrated that they weren't doing their job but
1: it
3: was really my
2: my issue
1: how did you learn was was it something that occurred something happened was it a moment
2: was there yeah it was a moment I had an aha moment I was in my office um, in in Cardiff in in San Diego and in my office there was a window and so i could see out to the rest of the the office and i had they were like huddled and talking and um i was in my office and i was thinking i have no idea what they're doing and they have no idea what i'm doing like what is wrong with this picture you know i'm frustrated with them but i'm not really allowing them in to understand where we're going with this company I'm not engaging them, yeah it was just this this moment of clarity, and so I began to just open those uh, you know i I just began to communicate more uh, freely and strategically and began to let go and I think that's something that's really scary for business owners, and it was for me too, you know. I was a control freak, and I was afraid to trust them because I thought if they made a mistake, maybe we would lose a client or, you know, lose a lot of money and so forth. Um, But you actually end up creating what you don't want because you're so afraid Mm -hmm. and you're holding on tightly, you know.
1: Mm Gotcha. I love what you said. Leadership is, is someone who inspires others into their own greatness. Uh, that's that's key. That's everything. That's everything. Um, it's,
2: and, so, just, it's so rewarding. It's so rewarding. Yeah. You know, mm. I mean, honestly, I, I feel so blessed. I have the best team. And, I mean, you know, I look at them and, and I'm just blown away by their passion mm. and um, and commitment. And the thing is when you step back and you allow your team to shine and allow them to share their creative ideas, it takes tremendous pressure off of you, you know and uh, and and that's how leaders are born.
3: So
1: today, you know you've got 10 businesses, you know relationship, kids, all of that stuff how 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 did you and how do you manage? All of these things. How do you juggle? You know, it sounds like you've learned to delegate, but I'm curious in terms of your own time management philosophy or practice, and how you how how, how do you manage it all? You know, how do you juggle it all? Are there are there any guidelines you have for yourself? Are there any rules? Like, what's your deal? Because obviously you get a lot done and yeah. you're very effective, and and so share a bit about that. I'd love to I'd love to hear. How you handle all of the things you handle and stay sane, you know
3: <laughs>
2: well, I've had a few uh times of burnout over the years. again, you learn mm-hmm. from those uh, painful mistakes, and I would say that um you know it, time management is probably the most one of the most important things that a leader uh gets a handle on, but um I think get really clear where you shine in the business Mm. and get Mm. other people to do the things that you just don't do well. You know, Mm. I think most people do the
3: opposite.
2: And Mm. so, um, you know, I I think that – you know, I really look at if I were to charge $5,000 an hour, let's say my time was worth $5,000 an hour or your time is worth $5,000 an hour, how would you spend your time? Would you be running errands? Would you be doing mm-hmm. your bookkeeping? No. You would be focused mm-hmm. on, you know, that higher level of um
3: yeah.
2: thinking. For your business, your value as you grow. Now, in the beginning, you are doing a lot of everything, but pretty quickly. And as you start to delegate, um, you need to get the things off your plate that you can pay somebody 15 to 20 dollars an hour because you'll be losing money. Um, There's no way that you can sustain that. Um, The other thing is that I plan my calendar for the year, like I've already done it for next year. And I mm. map out time off. Mm. And uh, starting last year, to, I do I take a week off every
3: month. A week off every yeah. month.
2: Every month.
3: Like without fail. Like
2: 12, every
1: month. That that's that's a revolutionary concept.
2: I know. And it was a commitment that I, I said, okay, this is my big goal for two thousand, you know, nineteen. I said, I'm going to see if I can really do this. Like I was really I had to work hard to commit to myself. And what I found is that you can get three weeks of four weeks work of work done in a month, done in three weeks. Wow. If you are really focused like you are before you go out on vacation, you know how you get you are mm-hmm. so freaking productive
3: mm-hmm. cuz you know mm-hmm.
2: that you're leaving. Well, if I mm-hmm. could do that every month, I could take a week off and still have all of this accomplished. And what's ended up happening is that I'm more rested. I'm more inspired. Mm-hmm. I get bigger ideas cuz my head is more clear, especially that week off. Yeah. yeah. And um, you know, we've ended we've had our best year. And I've worked less than those that? What do you in fact, do
3: in that, what, what you doing
1: that week off? I mean, because I was actually going to ask about <laughs> burnout and 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 you know how you what do you do to when you feel burnout, but this kind of is maybe addressing that. So in that week off, what do you do? Do you just light the beach? Do you just hang out at home? Like,
3: what's the deal?
2: Well, I I found that it's better for me to be away um mm. during the week. Because if I'm home, it's easier to just pick up the computer, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, I sleep is one thing. <laughs> I love sleeping mm-hmm. in. So that's the first thing. Um, I journal. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm a trapeze artist, too. I don't know if you knew that. But I have a trapeze rig um, in my backyard. And I've been flying on the trapeze for 20 years. Wow. So... Wow. I do. I do a lot of that. Uh, my husband and I have taken some fantastic trips this year. Uh, we went to uh, we went to Italy. We went to Mexico a couple of times. Um, and you know, I just you know had we had time together to have deeper conversations. Um, I you know I still think about business because I love my business, but I was able to think in a way, if it wasn't the to-do list kind of thinking, it's more of the bigger yes. thinking, you know, mm. the the bigger inspired thinking of, you know, where where am I in this life trajectory? What's the next I thing? I love it. Qu- yeah.
1: Qu- what I'm hearing is, you know, creating the space for yourself, creating the space to nurture yourself, nurture your mind, your body, your spirit, but but also rejuvenating so that you come back and you're even more effective, you know, but also that space allows you uh, the time to think on a whole different level about your business and ideas to receive new ideas and creativity that will only probably exponentially uh, grow what you're doing when you come back for those three weeks. So that's a a powerful concept. That's a really powerful concept. Beautiful.
2: Um, Yeah. Well, I'm doing it again next year. So (laughs) it was awesome. (laughs) (laughs)
3: <laughs> it's
1: inspiring. Listen, Alison, you shared, you shared so much. I mean, t- I can't believe time has flown by already. Uh, There's kind of one, one more key question I have for you. Uh, you know, you shared a lot, but if there were, let's say, three, if you were to look at just your entire life, business, relationships, motherhood, everything now, uh, successes, failures, if there were, let's say, three key life lessons that uh, – If there were only three key life lessons, the most important things you've learned in your life that you could, let's say, pass on to the next generation and uh, that you feel would evolve the next generation the most, uh, what what would the three most important things be that you'd like to to pass on to the next generation as a gift, your life lessons?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to share this. Um, I would say the first thing is... um, To know that you are worth Mm. sharing your gifts that you were born with and to really embrace your value that you bring to this planet Mm
3: -hmm.
2: because you are born with beautiful gifts and to not embrace those and share them with the world would be a big loss. So that's, that's the first thing. Um, The second thing I would say is is, um, make decisions from where you're going, not from where you're at. And so let me break that down for you. And what that means is most people make decisions based on the reality of what is In front of them, their bank account or lack thereof, Um, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. their support system, uh, their confusion, you know, whatever it is, you allow that to be your roadblock and your naysayer. And then you don't move forward. Or maybe you are starting a business or going after a dream. Mm -hmm. And you you say, I'm just going to try it. You no, know, uh, you you really have to be all in and so when I say make decisions from where you're going not from where you're at get super clear on that big vision and pretend that you're already there right now that's your reality you've already accomplishment, accomplished it you're looking back at what you've done make decisions from that place because that's that's where the success happens. Like pretend it's already happened and and then make the decisions from there and the growth will uh, multiply in impact and in speed. Mm. And then the last thing I will say is once you get clear on that vision, walk towards it every single day. And don't let Mm. anyone tell you that it can't be done.
3: I love that.
1: Walk towards it every single day. Beautiful. Folks, three keys. Three key, I'm just taking notes here, Alison. Three deep, deep dive, sort of soulful keys. Uh, Life lessons from the amazing Alison Maslan. Uh, know Know you are worth sharing your gifts, the gifts that you were born with and truly embrace your value secondly make decisions from where you're going not where you're at currently and walk towards that vision every single day folks you heard it through key wisdoms you know alison uh thank you for sharing so I mean, time i can't believe how just time has flown and you've been so generous just sharing your life wisdom and strategic ideas and vision with us today on soul talk uh You know, I love for these interviews to be applied immediately. And so if there was like one, uh, a homework assignment that people could literally right now, uh, uh, before they go back into their lives, go do, implement a tangible way to integrate uh, our chat today, the interview today, what's one thing that they could literally right now go and do uh, that would make a difference in their life?
2: yeah I think people um get in uh overwhelmed by the big vision, like where do I start? yeah so I would say, you know write out your vision, just you know go up to a quiet place and just dream, just start journaling of what mm. you know if if there was if there was you know there were no roadblocks, you know you had uh the support around you, there was nothing in your way. What is it that you would create? And I would write Mm -hmm. that down. And then I would say, what are three small steps I can take right now? I call them mini feats. You know, feats Mm -hmm. of success. So three small steps. You know, it could be, you know, buy a business book. It could be attend an event. It could be, uh, you know, talk to other people in this industry but just do Mm. you know three steps that's all you have to do because those steps will lead to other open doors that will Mm. reveal answers don't worry about having to know the whole vision
3: Mm. I love it folks you heard the homework
1: assignment from Allison write out your vision journal about it just let your heart open what's the vision but also write three small steps many feet that you can take and take the action homework assignment issued, uh, send me an email folks. I would love to hear from you in terms of your key takeaways from today's episode. Keep Blackson at keep And let me know about this homework assignment, Allison, This has been a just awesome episode full of wisdom insights. I mean, my notebook is full with notes and ideas, uh, in terms of scale, uh, And just thank you for sharing so generously your love and insight and experience. And just, you know, every time we meet, I just, I feel so loved and I feel your kindness and generosity. And it's just, it's just shone through the interview today. I know everyone listening in has been blessed. What's the best way people can firstly, a couple of things. Number one, they can find out about your work. So what's the best website? I know you have an amazing event coming up, which I'm actually going to be uh, attending and, And coming to so, folks, if you want to meet me there, I'll be there. I'm looking forward to to Allison's event coming up uh, in a in in a few weeks. So, Allison, what's the best way people can can find out about you and and uh, and the event?
2: Definitely. And first of all, just thank you so much for having me. And I hope that these words uh, will inspire uh, those of you listening uh, into uh, being just that much closer to your dreams. And um, the way you, uh, my website is AllisonMaslin.com and uh, Allison with two L's and Maslin, M-A-S-L-A-N.com. Um, you can learn about my coaching. I have a weekly show on there, all kinds of good stuff. Um, if you want to find out about the events we're having in January, this is for um, it's a business event to plan your business blueprint for the year. It's our ninth year hosting this event. Mm-hmm. Really excited that you're coming, and you check that out at levelupliveevent.com. Levelupliveevent.com, and uh, and then you know my book, uh, Scale or Fail. You can uh, check that out on Amazon. Um, and I have I have another book, Blast Off. For those of you that are in the really early stages of figuring out your business, um, I wrote that book mm-hmm. some time ago. But that would really apply to you figuring out that awesome. passion.
1: Awesome, folks. We'll put all of the uh, the links in the show notes. Definitely check out Allison's work. She's she's the real deal. She's amazing, as you can tell, full of wisdom, inspiration, and insight. Uh level up life uh, is it level life event Alison? Can you repeat that again?
2: Yes, it's leveluplive
1: event dot Perfect. Leveluplive event dot com, Folks, check the show notes for the links. Uh, also check out our book, Scale or Fail. It's an it's an amazing book. Uh, how to build your dream team, explode your growth, and let your business soar. Alison, thank you for for joining Soul Talk and just being inspirational, folks, I told you this was going to be an amazing uh, interview. Hope you to- took lots of notes. Definitely shoot me an email. I want to hear how you're implementing uh, the ideas from this week's episode. And also, I would love it if you share this uh, special episode with your. Download it, share it with your friends, post it on social media. And uh, I can't wait to connect with you in next week's episode of Soul Talk. Love now. Catch you then. They can't